just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today I was able to sit down with Ellie Hassel and chat all about her diagnosis of fibromyalgia. In this episode, Ellie talks us through the journey of finally getting a name for what had been going on for her how she manages her symptoms, her definition of pain, and the importance of connecting with others and why she created a chronic pain support group. Living with a chronic condition, especially one that involves pain, can feel incredibly isolating, so I really loved being able to connect with Ellie. But whether you live with chronic pain or not, I think you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Thank you so much for inviting me over and being on That's So Chronic today. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. I love that when I first connect with people and I ask a whole bunch of random questions and I get to learn so many wonderful things about each guest. <laughs> and I learned that you are really passionate about climate change and sustainability, <laughs> yeah. which I love, and that you also work as a civil engineer. Yes, yeah. The first civil engineer to be on that so chronic. <laughs> Yay! I'm so surprised there's not more in Christchurch. I was like, civil engineers particularly, they're like everywhere. They're like weeds. I love that. And I've like I knew I knew nothing about it. So I love that before we press record, I'm like, tell me everything what is happening. <laughs> so good. But of course we are here chatting today to talk more about your diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Yes, yeah. Now Before we start and we hear a little bit more about your story and how this all eventuated for you, I'm wondering if you would be able to explain your definition of fibromyalgia because I feel like it's one of those conditions that people either don't know a lot about it or they have so many misconceptions over what it is. Yes, yeah. I think because it's so broad and so vague, it is very difficult to describe it or even even if you have it, it's very mm-hmm. difficult to know exactly which symptoms are because of the fibromyalgia. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so fibromyalgia is a condition which causes widespread musculoskeletal pain, mm-hmm. and it's often accompanied by fatigue. Yeah. And this this isn't like fatigue like you're tired, it's fatigue like your limbs turn to stone. Yes. And like, so it's very very varied they are like two sides of the same coin the main one for me and I would assume most people is the pain Mm -hmm. and then I wonder if the fatigue is like your body is just in so much pain that it's like fighting that then of course the fatigue is like being heightened honestly yeah very much so like you've probably heard people talk of long COVID yes long COVID is chronic fatigue Mm. it's exactly the same as the chronic fatigue or not exactly the same I'm not entirely sure but it's set off by the same process that causes fatigue and fibromyalgia they believe I say they believe because no one really knows what fibromyalgia is you can't test for it it's not on a blood panel it's not on an MRI yeah it's all kind of they ask you questions and they're like oh we think it's this 
even if they say you have fibromyalgia, they still aren't even sure exactly what it is. Yeah, when I was doing research about it all, I was like learning that this is just so hard because (laughs) even, you know, people that have studied this their whole lives can't give like a concrete answer on what or why this happens. Yeah, so they know that there's increased stress hormones. They know there is an autoimmune component. Mm -hmm. They have no idea which one sets it off and causes the other ones. They don't know which one comes first. But the, the current belief is that it affects how your nervous system, mm-hmm. that is your brain and your spinal cord and sometimes your peripheral nerves and your, like, your limbs, it affects how they process stimuli. So like painful yes. and non-painful yeah. stimuli. Yeah. And that is then amplified and changed into pain signals. I see. So... It's very much just like your. Basically, they think your body is just really sensitive. It's, they yeah. love. They love this analogy. They love that it's a building, <laughs> and if there's a fire, the sprinkler goes off and the alarm goes off. Whereas a person with fibromyalgia, the sprinkler is going off, the fire alarm's going off, but there's no fire. Ah, so I see. Your body's like, oh my god, something's wrong. Some, oh my god, what's going on? But there's wow, obviously nothing wrong. And then because that's happening many researchers then believe that it's the repeated part of that, that Mm -hmm. your nervous system is building up this like muscle memory, I guess, that this is how we react. This is what we do all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. It just builds up this amplification. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how did all of this start for you? Because I'm imagining that the actual diagnosis is not where the story begins. Oh Lord, no. (laughs) God, I think... I can't remember exactly what it is, but the average length of time to get a diagnosis for fibromyalgia and chronic pain Mm -hmm. is eight years or something. Wow, yeah. It's, oh my God, it's an absolute mere. So for me, it started with a injury. Mm -hmm. There was a slippery floor and I got bumped and I fell, my feet went out and my knees went in. Right, okay. And so they bruised, they were really sore, and I was like, this is, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then after a few months, they were still sore. And both, then both of your knees? Both knees, yeah. yeah. The left one is significantly worse, but both. Yeah. And basically over the next year, it got, like, it just in- got increasingly worse. Wow. And it's exacerbated by walking standing for long periods etc so had you like were you prone to injuries like this like had you experienced anything like this before they believed I was more likely to get it because I'm hypermobile okay and I get migraines okay previously so they think that like gave me the predisposition for it but they don't think it caused it as such and then so I had that and I started seeing doctor after doctor after doctor. During that year? Yeah, over the next um, two years. Yeah. I just saw different GPs. I They referred me to musculoskeletal specialists, mm-hmm. neurologists, like just basically everyone. They kept thinking that it was one of the muscles was underdeveloped. So they kept being ah. like, do physio, do physio, do physio for years. And I was like, I'm doing physio five times a day. Nothing is working. And it just flares it up. Yeah. But they really didn't like the idea that it was permanent. They kept trying. And then after a couple years, I got a virus. 
Yeah. My flatmates got it. They had it for a couple of days. I had it for about a month or two. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was awful. Trying to, trying to do uni while you have, like, headaches and yeah. vomiting and blah. And then slowly after that, I can't say for certain, but I believe that set off the rest of the fibromyalgia. Okay. So for me, basically... My knees are always sore mm-hmm. and I get, I'd say there's probably at all times, there's like three other spots on my body that are sore. Yeah. So currently that's my left ankle, my left wrist and my back. Okay. And so during this time, like while you had the virus or perhaps before and after, mm. what were your symptoms? Like how were you feeling in your body? Was it just your knees or had it then sort of spread other places? Yeah. So before the virus, it was just my knees. Okay. And I started taking strong painkillers to stop it. The only thing that really works for me, like effect, like properly effectively, is tramadol, yeah. which is an opioid. And yeah. they really, 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 really do not want you on tramadol. No. So that's been a whole palaver as well. Yeah, so I had that and then I had that for a few years and I kept seeing different doctors no one like it was pretty like slow I met someone else with fibromyalgia and that's when I first learned about it and was like oh that's definitely probably what I have but no doctors wanted to say the diagnosis it's like I I keep saying like it's kind of like classic fibromyalgia and they were like oh is it like oh yeah but I don't want to be I'm not certain or yeah they're just like No one really wanted to put a label on it. And there's no... The hardest part is not knowing where to go to get help. Yeah. Like, it's not knowing which doctor can diagnose me because I don't know anything about it. Yes. But my GP also doesn't really know anything about it. Yeah. So... And so then after you get this virus, mm. did you see a doctor during this time of being like, why am I still not better from this virus? I just assumed I was being dramatic okay (laughs) I was just like oh this no it's fine I just need to finish my uni work I just need to get it done I was in exams as well and so slowly that widespread pain got worse and worse Mm -hmm. and eventually my doctor sent me to the chronic pain clinic they hadn't before because I was switching between my home in Auckland and my university flat in Christchurch yeah and it was when I went to the chronic pain clinic that they diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. Okay. This is, it was about two years of knee pain. Then I got the virus and then it was about maybe three years until I got this diagnosis. Wow. And we're talking like I saw a doctor every three weeks, a different kind of doctor, just trying to like figure out what was wrong. Not having a diagnosis is so unbearably difficult so I have no idea how to research how to get better Mm -hmm. it was only once I realized I had fibromyalgia about six months before my doctors officially diagnosed me that I went to a pain psychologist which is the best thing I have ever done I highly recommend it for anyone that has chronic pain Mm -hmm. and that's how I started getting treatment and actually could reduce the pain no I'd had chronic pain for what four or five years yeah no one had explained to me what it was. So what is pain and your understanding of it then? My understanding is that there's something not right in my central nervous system. That's your brain and your spinal cord. 
and somewhere along the line it's got really sensitive and everything it feels it's like oh shit oh what is this what, what oh oh I'm gonna be cautious and just pretend and just say it's pain just yeah. so you know you can like keep an eye out on it but it does mean that everything is painful okay so everything as in like wearing clothes yes yeah okay. so it ranges from day to day but usually I also have it feels like my hands are sunburnt ah uh, yeah sometimes it'll be something stupid like a breeze yeah and my body's like oh and it like it's like oh my god and it feels like I'm sunburnt and someone's like trying to touch it yeah I get most of it's like aching pain in my joints like you can tell it's not really proper pain because it's in really weird positions. Ah. So you know when you get sore and it'll be like a particular joint in a very specific spot. Yeah. Whereas the fibromyalgia pain, for me at least, is just weird patches all over. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like just one muscle. It's like a weird collection of half of muscles. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. So and it's not like, oh, I weeded the garden today. That's why that arm is like yeah. sore in that very specific muscle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and sometimes like a breeze will set it off and then for the yeah. rest of the day, my skin will feel like it's sunburned all over. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very weird pain because it's not connected to an injury. There's something going wrong with the signaling rather mm-hmm. than the actual health of the tissue and stuff. And so the pain psychologist was the first person to actually explain this to you. Yes. I, ca- I can't believe for four years, yeah. five years, no one explained to me how pain works. Yeah. No one explained to me that it was the signaling. Mm. No one explained to me that the only way to dampen that signaling is to calm the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So basically your pain gets worse when your body goes into stress. That's the fight or flight mode. Yep. So to calm down the pain signals, you have to like reduce your stress. You have to calm your nervous system. Activate the parasympathetic nervous yes. system. Yes, yep. <laughs> Rest and digest. Yes. I love, yep. love talking about that, eh? <laughs> wow. And so seeing this pain psychologist... Mm. When you, so you mentioned when you first saw the pain psychologist, you didn't actually have a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Uh, No. And so then talk us through that day where you actually got the diagnosis from the pain clinic. Yeah, it was just really odd. They just like, because it takes really long to get into a pain clinic. Right. From when you first apply, it takes minimum of three months until you see someone usually because of the long wait times yeah wow yeah so you're kind of sitting around and they just asked a bunch of questions they were like yep yeah fibromyalgia (gasps) like it was nothing like they were like yeah you're good to go like it it was just really (laughs) it was just very blunt I'd already come to terms with the fact it was 99% fibromyalgia yeah but it was very weird that someone had actually said it out loud because every doctor I had seen was like yeah it could be yeah yeah I don't like every doctor was cagey and mm-hmm. uncertain that it was so nice oh it was so nice to have a diagnosis and be able to tell people that's what it was yeah because it's very hard to explain oh I'm just in pain all the time I don't know why yeah <laughs> at least when you say it's fibromyalgia just having a label makes it so much easier to figure out how to 
treat and yeah. discuss and everything. Being able to see someone at the chronic pain clinic, mm. was that through the public system or did you have to pay for that? That was through the public system. Okay, cool. I actually saw the pain psychologist privately mm-hmm. just because I got a little bit, I was meant to go, to, I went to one pain clinic and then there was an administration error and they dropped me. Oh my God. And so I had to, and, I, and my parent and I was just like, it was really, really hard to deal with chronic pain that I had no idea how to control. Yeah. That the only thing that helped was opioids that my doctors didn't want to prescribe. So it was just really hard. My pain was getting worse and worse. And I had no way of, I couldn't impact it whatsoever. So I went to the pain psychologist and he was amazing. He explained it. He gave me ways to help. And I saw him maybe like, 10 times okay cool and that basically I'd say I've permanently reduced my pain by maybe 30 percent amazing so an example if you don't mind sharing of what some of the strategies might be for that help you specifically I have so so I collated all of my like strategies and stuff onto one sheet onto like a I call it my cheat sheet so it basically just outlines it really really clearly but the things that impact it is I have to get eight and eight and a half hours sleep. Okay. I have to, I can't eat gluten. Yeah. And artificial food isn't great. Yeah. One of the big ones is deep breathing. I know all of this sounds really airy-fairy <laughs> and I'm well aware. If someone had told me, oh, you should treat your pain by deep breathing deep, <laughs> I would have slapped them. <laughs> But all of these, well, all of these, you're like, that can't impact my pain. All of these calm your nervous system, yeah, which calms those signals. Mm-hmm. So while they sound like a bit, you're like, my pain's not going to go away if I get eight hours sleep, for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> but I mean, that's good for us anyway, chronic pain or not, right? Yeah. To do these things. Yes, yeah. It's good for, it's yeah. good for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so basically everything I do is I reduce stress. So I do, the deep breathing is really good because it's one of the only ways you can directly tell your body you're yeah. okay, you're safe, and you're calm. Yeah. It's specifically breathing out longer than you breathe in. Mm-hmm. That is a very specific process that your brain is like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. I'm calm now. Yeah. It's like the only way of directly telling it. So it isn't like, oh, if you breathe deep, your pain will go. Yeah. And I think um, like elongating the exhale is also one of the quickest ways to lower the heart rate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it lowers the heart rate. It lowers the cortisol levels. It lowers all those stress hormones and your body kind of just like relaxes a bit. Yeah. And then I do a whole bunch of stuff to reduce stress. Okay. So like I have a very like very strict routine yeah uh, so everything needs to be relatively predictable mm-hmm. lots of structure I have a diary with like specific times of everything I'm doing yeah it's so you don't like say you don't want to forget that you need to finish an assignment so you don't have to like you don't have three days of just frantic writing yeah and like panicking about something that yeah, you forgot you, was coming up yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so you do stuff that like helps you calm calm your system mm-hmm. and for me movement okay I don't like saying exercise because if someone tells me to do exercise yeah. <laughs> it's gonna stop me being in pain 
oh man yeah. there's nothing worse than a doctor being like do, do, do you exercising I'm like oh my god yeah it's so, like my body feels like it's about to explode I'm not really that inspired to go for a run right now <laughs> <laughs> I can barely walk man don't yeah <laughs> yeah so movement is better I find that also helps my chronic fatigue mm-hmm. like a lot yeah and um a concept called pacing okay it's basically where instead of like just going for a 20 minute run yeah which is just really difficult and mm-hmm. that will mean they call it the boom and bust cycle okay so if you go for the run and then you can't do anything the next day because you're exhausted yeah and then if you try again, you can't do anything. So this doing up and down, it slowly trends downwards. Okay. Pacing is like you start really small. So, for instance, I do biking. I started doing like on a – one of those – what are the little – the machines? Oh, the, yeah. I don't even know what they Yeah. Are. So I did 10 minutes at 10K an hour. That's yeah. wildly slow and wildly short amount of time. Yeah. And I increase it by a couple minutes every week. Ah, okay. And yeah. so now I can do 40 minutes at 20Ks. Yeah. So it's all about doing it like little and often. Yeah. So you slowly build up. And so stuff like doing your housework, you mm, do, yeah. you'd hoover one room, yeah. then you'd stop. Yeah. And then hoover the other room. Yeah, it feels utterly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're like, I just, just want to hoover my house, yeah. man. I just want to do the whole, like... <laughs> yeah. And it feels really weird, but it's not too hard to get into the habit of, and it's so much better for you, and you can slowly build up what you do to maybe get some of your function back. Yeah. It feels really similar to, like, everyone's sort of talking about burnout at the moment mm. as well, and, like, I feel like people mm. will be able to relate on that sort of a level as well. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you just make sure you're not overexerting yourself mm-hmm. and none of like doing all of these things doesn't get rid of my pain by yeah. any means yeah. I still use medications I use uh, nortriptyline mm-hmm. and pregabalin I yeah. use a lot of pregabalin mm-hmm. and the tramadol so I still use all of those but this just helps reduce it to like a manageable level yeah so I don't get really intense terrible flare-ups I used to go two months were good and then one month was excruciating yeah I haven't had a flare-up in about a a year maybe yeah which is just like just if you told me that a couple years ago I would have just laughed in your face yeah Wow. And so the pain psychologist was able Mm. to talk you through some of these strategies. Yes. I'm curious, when you were diagnosed at the pain clinic, Mm. were they, what was the level of care there? Like, were you like, there's a diagnosis, see you later? Or were they able to like... No, the pain clinic is more about managing your chronic pain than diagnosing. I think they even, they even now say they won't diagnose you, which I think is utterly absurd. Interesting. Um, just like you can't where where else are you gonna go yeah. for a diagnosis? Yeah. No one No one knows anything no one knows, about this. Yeah, who they they no other doctors exist to treat it except for you guys. Yeah. Oh, you can't just say no diagnosis. That's really <laughs> bizarre. But yeah, so they have this they have OTs, okay. they have physios, they have uh psychiatrists, they just basically do the medication, yeah. that kind of thing. So they give you a team and then the team discuss and help you see what you Amazing. need. Yeah. However, they are basically about kind of 
quickly teaching you these concepts mm-hmm. and then like letting you go. Yeah. They like want to do it quickly and then just. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's a little bit optimistic. Yeah. Because it varies so much and it will go up and down and you'll forget and. And especially when things in your life might change as well, mm. like perhaps at the time you were studying and now you're working, so life looks a little bit different. So maybe yeah. needing to have a bit more guidance of how to adapt some of these strategies to like fit a new thing that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. So they are really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. It, they don't have enough resources to help everyone the way that everyone needs. Yeah, And it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. It's no one's fault, really. It just... That's kind of how it is. Yeah. So when did you start to take these medications? You said that you were on tramadol sort of before the diagnosis. And mm-hmm. then after the diagnosis, is that when you were prescribed the nortriptyline and the... Pregabalin. 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 Yeah. yeah. So I've been on the pregabalin for ages. Oh, okay. A few, like three or four years. It was like and they'd given me a bunch of medications and nothing touched it. Mm-hmm. And then pregabalin just... Did. What is pregabalin? It's a a crude way of saying a nerve blocker, but yes, it yeah. blocks a very certain pathway. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so it's usually used in nerve pain. Yeah. It's a and um gabapentin is just basically like the old version of pregabalin. Oh yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the nortriptyline also helps with the pain signals. Yeah, so that's what I'm trialing at the moment. I don't. It's nowhere near as effective as the pregabalin on the tramadol. Mm-hmm. I, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure if it's helping. Yeah, it's something I'm currently trialing and yeah. like slowly increasing. Yeah, but yeah, there it's all very. This might help. Yeah, but, but you can't use these other ones. But they're like you can't use these while you're on the tramadol. And yes, right. Having of all of these the. The main risk is, especially with the tramadol and the nortriptyline, is serotonin syndrome. Okay. Do you get weird dreams on the nortriptyline? I've interviewed someone before and they were on it and they said they got really weird dreams. <laughs> I sometimes do on the, I used to on the tramadol. Okay, not yeah. On the nortriptyline. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm like, God, I couldn't imagine. Oh, if I, anything disrupted my sleep, I'd be screwed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you mentioned at the beginning that mm. you had connected with someone that had fibromyalgia. Yeah. When you then had the diagnosis and you were like, okay, yep, 100%, this is mm-hmm. me. Did you have much support around you? Like, did you know anyone in your day-to-day life that had it as well? Or like, were you able to actually reach out and connect with people? Uh, no. The person okay. I met was in a support group in Canada. Right, okay. Um, when I did my exchange there. So when I came back and I got the diagnosis, I set up a chronic pain peer support group in Christchurch. Yeah. Because it's so weird. They give you a diagnosis, but you're still, the entire time is so isolated because no one around you understands. No one around you, before the diagnosis, I didn't have anything to even explain. Yeah. I just had to kind of chuck a bunch of, be like, yeah, I'm in pain all the time. But no idea why. So I started this group. Because having people that understand was so, so important. Mm -hmm. It just, they can, like, the group is so good. We help each other by, like, if anyone wants to be like, oh, my God, this doctor just dismissed me. Yeah. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's happened to us. Or they're like, has anyone 
does anyone get really bad migraines what are you using to treat it blah 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 so the group is really really important Mm -hmm. it's just unbelievably necessary to like it's a very important component of trying to get better yeah when you started this group at uni Mm. were you surprised that people like there were other people out there yeah i was like oh I mean, statistically, there must be, because you <laughs> yeah. see it's like 10,000 people, but I was like, I don't know where they are. Yeah. That's one of the other things with like chronic pain conditions in general is you can't see them. Yeah. They're called invisible illnesses where you'd have absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. Most, of us, most of us aren't in wheelchairs. We don't use crutches. Yeah. So it was so nice that there actually was yeah. and that they they wanted to connect as well because we... Everyone was just like, no one understands. This is hor- I don't know how to deal with this. No one else knows how to deal with it either. Yeah. So it was so nice. Like, it really helped all of us to have a group that could actually relate. Yeah. I was thinking, like, when I was planning some questions to ask today mm. in this chat, I was thinking, yeah, like, for me, the pain that comes along with my MS is mm. one of the hardest symptoms because it is so subjective and no one's mm. in my body. So, like, no one actually knows that, like, when I say, oh, I'm, like, in loads of pain today, that that's, like, a lot, a lot. Like, yeah. you know, because it's always at this base level of a lot, probably, yeah. for someone else. But I don't know because I don't, I'm not <laughs> in their body. Like, I, I, is everyone in this much pain? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And it is just so, you just feel so alone cause, and so trapped inside your own head because you're like, is this sore? I don't know. Mm. And what is going on? Like, yeah, 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 totally. And you're just like, I don't know what's going to help. Yeah. I don't, and you don't want to keep complaining about it. Yeah. Whereas having the group means you can voice all of these feelings mm-hmm. and they understand and they don't mind listening yeah. because they completely get where you're coming from. Yeah. Were you meeting like in person or did you have an online group as well for this? We meet in person. Currently it's online just because we're in level two. Yes. Yeah. But we just had like a little discussion room at the library oh, and we just amazing. met for, we say it was an hour every week, but we always went over. Yeah. <laughs> or, always. I think the last one was just like three hours because <laughs> oh. we just, like everyone was just like, yep, yeah, having a good yarn. That's so amazing. Yeah. And do you have dreams or hopes of maybe like opening it up for people that aren't just at university? Yes. Yeah. I'm currently in the process of trying to figure out how I would set up one for non-uni students mm-hmm. it's the uni students is easy because they all go to uni so yeah. chuck up some flyers get some emails sent out whereas in the real world where, where are you gonna find them yeah the chronic pain clinic doesn't let you obviously contact anyone they won't endorse any other any other treatments yeah or like networks mm. to connect with yeah 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 so yeah i'm in the process of trying to figure out how i want to do that but i think it's so so important this group is one of the most fulfilling things I've done yeah like you know I'm I've been on committees and done events and blah 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 but this group it feels like I've made more much more of an impact on people's lives that's amazing yeah 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 it's so good after being diagnosed and also not only just being diagnosed but living with chronic pain Mm. did anything in your life have to change I played a lot of sport. Mm-hmm. I, I played netball, I was a competitive swimmer. Okay. And with the chronic pain, I couldn't play sport. 
this year is the first year I've been able to play sport. Okay. The like I haven't been able to play it for years. I can do I can't stand for more than twenty minutes without being in pain. Mm-hmm. Like and we're not just I'm always in pain. Yeah. But the standing for twenty minutes triples it. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely with all the these strategies, they have allowed me to do the things I enjoy. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so oh it's so good to know that there's actually strategies that can impact your pain. Yeah. And then alongside medication and mm. reducing all of the stress, then that, yeah. that is just yeah. amazing. You just got to be like the calmest, zenest <laughs> person out there. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. So obviously living with chronic pain, I can only speak from my point of view. It definitely mm. takes a toll mentally. Mm. And I'm wondering whether you have ever had any of those moments where you've just been like, why is this happening to me? Or Constantly. is this going to end? <laughs> yeah. I think especially because I'm so young, Yeah, no one around me has it. Yeah. No one around me has any conditions that yeah. I, like no one has any serious health conditions at my age. There was a peer group in Wellington. I asked if I could join and they said, you're a bit young. <gasps> wow. And it, Fair enough, everyone there, I think it was more like an elderly person because that's where it presents. Yeah. Yeah, so it definitely takes a mental toll. I think now that I have these strategies down, it doesn't as much, but it used to be like two good months. Or I say two good. I'm talking about two months where I can function. Yeah. And then one month where I'm just, I like don't go to uni or I have to get a bunch of like, extensions and it's just awful Mm -hmm. so it definitely takes a really big mental toll yeah moving forward what does your medical team look like like how do you get the prescriptions or who do you see I guess on a regular basis so I currently have an OT and a psychiatrist yep um the psychiatrist is there's a few medications they want to try but I, he's not very optimistic. Okay. And most of them can't be used in conjunction with the ones I'm on. Mm-hmm. And I can't come off my tramadol yeah. without losing all ability to function. So yeah. it's, most, it's mostly support with using these strategies. Do you have a relationship with a GP that you see? Like, are they able to help in any way? Yeah. So I currently have a really nice GP, but it took me like three GPs in the last year to get there. Okay, yeah. And she's lovely. She's happy for me to still be on the tramadol because the the tramadol is basically the most contentious part of my treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Every doctor I've ever seen has asked me to go off it. Yeah. Lots of doctors will just blanket say they won't prescribe. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's, it's definitely the most frustrating part of my treatment. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, because of the opioid crisis in America, everyone's so hesitant mm-hmm. to prescribe it. But they're hesitant at the detriment of the patients. Would you ever, like, is a goal to not be on tramadol? That would be a fantastic goal. That yeah. would be the that'd be lovely. Yeah. I just don't see it happening in the next decade. Yeah. Okay. It's just the way that it is. 
Yeah, it's basically the only thing that means I can go to work. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we've got to make that money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'll just become a hermit in my mum's basement. So how does life look for you now, five years on since all of this started? We're moving into 2022. How does your pain look? What is life like? My pain is not too bad at the moment by because I've been using all these strategies. Yeah. Working, so much less stressful than studying. Yes, and Studying amazing. is, the studying life is... The worst thing you can do for a pain condition. Mm-hmm. The lack of sleep, the yeah. the going out, drinking actually flares up pain as well. The stress of assignments and all of yeah. that. So I'm definitely, my pain is reduced hugely. Amazing. Thankfully, yeah. I'm, I hurt my ankle, so I can't do play sport, but I was playing sport and I'm slowly getting back into it, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird to have, it's so bizarre to have an actual injury. I was going to say, what's, how's that actually been like <laughs> when you're like, there is, I know exactly what happened to yeah. you. <laughs> they, they did an ultrasound and they could see it. Yeah. They could, I had a moon boot and then it fixed after a month. <laughs> like I have, I had completely forgotten that medical conditions could actually be fixed. Yeah, that must be strangely comforting to be like, oh, well, this sucks that this has happened to my ankle, but at least, like, I know the difference now. Yeah, I know exactly what's happening, and yeah. it made me realise how how just unknown the entirety of a chronic pain condition is. Yeah. It's yeah. so airy-fairy. No, no one knows what it is. They have actually done recent research on fibromyalgia, and they think it's... They did one on, they put the antibodies of people with fibromyalgia in mice Mm -hmm. and the mice developed fibromyalgia symptoms like pain and fatigue. Yeah. Wow. So they're pretty sure there's quite a strong autoimmune link. They Mm -hmm. just have no idea how to treat it. Wow. (laughs) Find it. (laughs) It'll be so interesting to see what happens over the next tens of years and see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully they figure it out. It's so weird when they, I remember your one that they just didn't know what the, what was it? The The lesion. Yeah. Yeah. They still don't know. They still don't. (laughs) They're like, we might never know actually. Yeah. Because you assume your doctor knows. Yeah. Because your doctor, your whole life doctor's have known yeah so it's very weird when they don't know that's what I'm learning throughout this process of everything of just being like oh they're just humans and we don't know everything yet yeah I get it now yeah you think they're so like we're so technologically (laughs) evolved when actually we just like they just and they're very fine just putting a question mark next to it and moving on and you're like excuse me yeah you can't just be like "Mm, not too sure bye And I think that's just the thing for like, you know, MS for me, Mm. fibromyalgia for you. It's just so different in every body, isn't it? Like Mm. what works for you might not work for someone else who's listening or, you know, elements of this or elements of this. And it's all just about finding what's the right thing for you. And that can be the hardest part. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So this is my regime, but everyone's pain is different. This is how I have reduced my pain. But lots of the girls in the group, one of them, tramadol makes her ill and it doesn't do anything. One of them, pregabalin, gives her bad side effects and doesn't impact it. So everyone has a different reaction to all of these treatments. The coming the nervous system seems to be pretty universal with chronic pain in general. But yeah, it's all very bizarre. Fibromyalgia doesn't even have 
they don't diagnose fibromyalgia as such as they exclude everything else and then it must be fibromyalgia yeah it's a very bizarre diagnosis <laughs> it's a lot and I just feel so grateful and so thankful that you shared your story <laughs> with me and with everybody listening at home or wherever they're listening in from today thank you so 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 much thank you it was good to be here Surprise! <laughs> We're back. We are back. Ellie has a little extra thing yes, that she would like I had to say. forgot to say that it's not in your head. Fibromyalgia is not in your head. It's an issue with your nervous system. So it's an issue with your brain and your spinal cord. It's not like you're just imagining pain. Yeah. There's something physically wrong with the nerves and how they signal. I just want to put that in there. Yes. Just because I know sometimes doctors can be like dismissive and it can give you the wrong impression. It's not in your head, it's just the nerves. Amazing. And that was another episode of That's So Chronic. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to find out more, you can always find me over on Instagram or TikTok. I'm at That's So Chronic. I love hearing your feedback and seeing where you're listening from, so don't be afraid to reach out. I also really love seeing your reviews, so make sure you've pressed follow and left a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That really helps That's So Chronic get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and, more importantly, hope. Have a lovely week.